the Chile Today podcast. I'm Bethany Francis. And I'm Alicia Lubin. We're two broads living abroad, broadcasting from Santiago, Chile. We explore Chilean news, cultural topics, travel, business, and more. The Chile Today podcast is the first ever bi-weekly English-speaking Chilean news podcast. To learn more about the news topics you'll hear today, check out chiletoday.cl and enjoy quick updates from around the country on Instagram at Chile Today News. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Also, if you're feeling generous, rate and review us so more folks can interact with our show. To offer more support, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash chiletodaypod for exclusive content, behind-the-scenes action, and bloopers. If you'd like to hear about a certain topic, have a story to share, or would like to ask a question, contact us directly through Instagram at chilitodaypodcast. So good to see you. It's great to see you. I feel like, you mentioned it earlier, but I really feel like this week just flew by. Shoom. That's what it did. Shoom. Zoom, zoom. Yes. Just so crazy. I feel like we were just recording, um, which is great. I love recording. It's like the highlight of my, um, my what's it called? Uh, Life? Fortnite. Fortnite. Oh. The highlight of my Fortnite. Isn't that a video game too? Okay. My brother plays that. You can monetize video games now like you, by, by playing them. You can get paid for it. Isn't that crazy? Really? Yeah. People pay, they film you and you're like, you're like, look how awesome I am or look how bad I am. Laugh at me. Oh, I don't really know how that works. Oh, but okay. But you just know that there's money involved. There's money involved. For playing. For playing games. Right? I mean, it's, well, the world's weird. People spending money is weird. People like foot photos. You can get money selling panties online. Like your own stinky panties. Stinky it's, panties. It's super weird these days. So how have you been? <laughs> Um, I'm great. Like you said, uh, time's flying, work's going really well, um, family's all good, friends are good, no complaints. I got banned from Uber this week. Oh that my was god, cool. what happened? I don't really know. Um, either it was from canceling a ride that I thought was a scam, or I switched my phone and something crazy happened with my payments, but all I know is I'm gonna save a shit ton of money on Uber Eats. I'm, uh, yeah, I mean... And they're connected. Also found that out. Uber and Uber Eats are definitely no like, more connected than you would think. I mean, I feel like I would know that they're pretty connected with the name Uber. No? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I figured one's for riding and one's for eating, so I thought I'd yeah, get a band you from didn't, one. Yeah, you didn't break the rules for the eating Uber. I did not. Just I, the riding Uber. Maybe I ordered too much and they were like, maybe this that's is why they banned you. Maybe maybe they didn't ban you from riding in the car. Maybe right. they banned you from Uber Eats. No more Chinese food, ma'am. No more starch. This is for you. This is just, we are, you're going to thank us later. You're going to save money and calories. I'm quite distracted by your dog right now. Yeah, Kalo and Podcast Pinguino are just getting along fabulously. Maybe a little too well. Maybe Kalo, a lot. Kalo, like, get Kalo's down. Jesus. Really into He's a this. penguin. You have penguin puppy babies. Penguin puppies. Kind of Aww. sounds adorable. Penguin puppies. I think baby penguins are called pups. No, wait, that's seals. Right? Pinguino, do you know? Seals. He doesn't know. See, he, you should know you're a penguin. You are a penguin. What are your oh what are your goodness. offspring called? Uh, Jesus. Help. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he only knows in Spanish. Well, this is off to an interesting start, Bethany. <laughs> okay. Certainly. So we have news, right? We do have news. Okay, so, um, so my first piece of news is that the Frente Amplio political party uh, coalition 
will not unite with other coalitions parties for the primary elections. So left-wing political coalition Frente Amplio includes left-wing movements and parties such as the Democratic Revolution, the Liberal Party, um, but usually for elections, FA, Frente Amplio joins forces with these parties to form a new majority, new majority with Christian Democrats and the Socialist Party. But this time, the Frente Amplio announced on September 27th that it would not join this, um, this pact. Um, so after the, um, the Unit for Change Coalition, this was made up of the Communist Party, the Social Green Revolutionist Federation, the Progressive Party, they called for unity among the leftist parties. Um, so Frente Amplio was like, no, I'm, I'm gonna not do that. Uh, for the 2021 elections. Uh, in a statement, the coalition said that the main reason was that a single pact with the former new majority would mean ignoring, quote, our deep and legitimate differences. Can I just say this real quick? I totally, like, I would say I probably, like, politically like the Frente Amplio, but they are so sometimes on their high horse about shit. Like, they are uncompromising in so many ways and I'm just like, guys, you're never gonna win an election if you have seven the, the seven people in your coalition vote. Like, you just can't. That's why the right keeps winning. I mean, because they're like, let's get together. I hate you, you hate me. I, you know, tap your phones and it sucks, <laughs> but but we're still gonna get together because ultimately winning is more important. The they're aligned for a common good. They're exactly. But the left fights between amongst themselves over the same things, but implementing them in different ways. And for me, it's just annoying. It's just annoying. I just had to share that. Thank you for listening. Welcome to my TED Talk. Okay, so. <laughs> Despite discarding the possibility of joining forces, the Frente Amplio said that the coalition would continue to work with the rest of the opposition parties carrying out the necessary coordination to win against Chile Vamos. So they're still planning on working together, but they're not going to like... I don't know, man. Okay, so obviously this caused many disagreements from the opposition sectors, um, arguing that the left-wing sec sector should be united to win against the right. Pablo Vidal, representing the RD um, and members of the FA, said that he disagrees with this decision. Quote, what is at stake in the coming months is not the identity of our parties but the future of Chile. People demand unity from us, which is built with citizen participation, not with negotiation behind closed doors. Which I totally get, right? So, the counselor of La Florida and members of the PC also criticized the decision and said, quote, To those who claim to be so pure as to agree on primaries with parties with whom they have differences, I ask them to show that they have the votes in the district to win. If not, what hope do they have in facing right-wing sectors? Um, so... That's the news. I hope I didn't get too political there, but I just it I just think unity in this time of change is quite important. Let's have conversations. Like let's right. get to see different perspectives. I, I completely agree. Like those conversations, unity and unifying, like I said earlier, over a goal and not just personal opinions right. or objectives. Like we can fight amongst ourselves about implementation of certain political acts after we have we or they have the votes. You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. Ha, 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 ha. Sorry, Hamilton. Okay, anyway. In more political news, uh, Sebastian Pinera met with the National Police Reform Commission to analyze the legal and administrative initiatives to modernize the institution. After um, 
various after the meeting, various experts analyzed the ads and felt like the president missed the opportunity to really affect positive change. Yeah. Members of the National Police Reform Commission met with the president at La Moneda Palace. They discussed legal and administrative initiatives to speed up the modernization of the institution. The restructuring of the Carabineros, according to the president, has three purposes, namely strengthening operational capacity and efficiency, strengthening the culture and tactics to protect human rights, and improve transparency and honesty with which public resources are used. But the president's call for the experts and their opinions said nothing about the reform of the Carabineros. Mm. So it's like we have these goals, but, you know, we do need to talk about reform. As, Absolutely. You know, because of everything that's happened in the past year. Yeah. Um, security expert and academic at the University of Santiago said, It is not clear to me what the president means when he talks about the reform of the Carabineros and then talks about Congress. Because effectively the reform of the Carabineros is not a law that is going around, but is much more structural process of which we have not yet heard anything from the government. Hmm. So we really have to talk about having, like changing the structure of it. Right. The creation of a new ministry of public security, the modernization of police force through reforms, processes, incentives, and technologies, the provision of police services based on scientific evidence, transparency and accountability, the modification in the police career and of, of like how people enter the police force, promotion and retirement, the training and efficiency of material resources. All of these are things that were supposed to be present in discussions about sure. the reform, right? Um, it, and that was originally announced by Gonzalo Blumel. He was the Minister of Interior. So these are all things that were supposed to be happening mm -hmm. and getting, you know, to progress forward, but they just haven't yet, even in these meetings that they're having at La Moneda. Um, yeah, and so for many, little or nothing has even been advanced in the matter. And we're kind of, we're on the verge of the one year anniversary of the social outbreak. And there's been recent events too, you know, like I was just in um, Plaza Dignidad the other day on a Friday evening and there are protests. There's right. carabineros everywhere. There was tear gas in the streets. Mm -hmm. People are still pissed. The other day, a 16 year old was pushed off the off a bridge mm -hmm. by, a know, carabinero. by a carabinero. Um, and the, the, there's a lot of folks who are you know, um, they'll be like, well, they're just, you know, these kids are just terrorists, the protesters, they call them terrorists, um, but they're, they're really just protesting and they're within their legal Yeah, they have, rights. they have rights to protest. And if they do something wrong, if they, if they do something out of pocket or illegal, there's a process. You get arrested. You don't just get shoved off you a bridge. Shoved off a bridge. <laughs> so no. these are, these are really important points that are getting brought up, but, um, they need to be talked about. Right. It just seems like uh, it's such a run. I feel like Chilean politics is such a runaround. Like we're going to mention that we're totally going to do this thing. We have this plan, but then they never move forward with it because it's like, we don't actually want to do this thing. We're just telling you that to appease you. Right. We're telling you, so you stop lighting shit on fire. Right. But it's like, don't you get it, sir? We, you know, Chile woke up. Like, they always say that. Like, Chile woke up. Like, they're not going to take your promises anymore. You got to do something. And there are no, I don't see any negative of, like, negative things politically right or left or whatever to reforming <coughs> the police. I feel like there's nothing negative about that. Right. Like, Just reform. Like, if somebody's like, okay, I've heard people say, like, abolish the carabineros or whatever, we don't need them. I get why people would be against that. Sure. Absolutely. And if you're going to talk about reform, is the is the word reform scary to you? Like, does it mean change? Are you afraid of change? Because we can just change out the word reform and 
just switch it for improvement. Like all it really is is talking about yeah, how we can make the system better. Yeah, let's make us make every single anytime somebody's like, I'm not willing to make something better. Like, do you know what do you understand? Like that do you not care about? I don't people? understand. I don't that. get it. I don't, don't Are you get against progress? Do you not? Do you dislike progress? You know? <laughs> do you dislike things being better? I mean, like if I bake a cake, this is a very very scientific metaphor. If I bake a cake and it tastes like shit, I'm not gonna keep putting the same ingredients in it. I'm gonna actually put sugar in it instead of salt. This yeah, time. you're gonna reform your right? recipe. I'm gonna buy the correct type of flour with the polvos in it because sometimes in Chile you buy it without the baking stuff inside and it goes flat you know that no There's two types of that's flour why my baking turned out bad but it was bad in the states too so. oh <laughs> no it's like you buy it with polvos i don't even know what polvos are called in english anymore without the little little dusty baking thing that helps things rise what? okay yeah i'm okay. clearly doing all this wrong. okay you can cut this out pinguino it's really not important <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> and the sneeze anywho ha huh? so <clears throat> turning to uh, more human rights um Ideas. So the Human Rights Watch, watch, wash. Uh, <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's God damn it. It's no. so bad. Uh, the Human Rights Watch asks the Chilean Senate to reject this, uh, what they call the denialism bill. So HRW, Human Rights Watch, advised uh, the Chilean parliament on September 28th to reject the anti-denial denialism bill that if it became law, it would uh, punish with prison sentences of up to three years the denial or justification of Pinochet's dictatorships and human rights violations. So um, so this would punish people for denying the existence of the dictatorship. So the bill was presented by former president and current UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michel Bachelet, in 2017. It was approved by Congress on September 22nd of this year and is now pending Senate approval. Since 1990, the country has had four commissions to review and recognize the victims of the dictatorship. The number is now higher than 40,000 people, of whom 3,065 were killed and or forcibly disappeared between 73 and 90. Um, and of course, the numbers of tortured are much higher than all of those. Jose Miguel uh, Vivan. Director of the American Division of Human Rights said the Senate should reject the bill because it would violate freedoms of expression and it contravenes international human rights standards. Quote, offensive expression must be counted with arguments, not imprisonment. And this is a huge controversial thing. You know, they have they have across the world, right? Like at what point is freedom of speech, you know, negative? You know, it's a it's huge debate. Um, in a statement, the organization said that the International um, Covenant on Civil and Political Rights and the American Convention on Human Rights are relevant in this context. Chile ratified both. They contain clauses saying that, quote, laws may only censor speech to the extent necessary and proportionate to ensure respect for the rights or reputation of others or protection of public order. Um, and the Human Rights Watch says the bill is neither necessary nor aligned with the goals of the protection of rights. Um, and that it censors free speech. This is so, I don't know. I have very mixed feelings about this. Tell me about your feelings. I don't know. Like, I, I, I get, because for example, I have a lot of German friends and they have similar laws in Germany and they, and all of my German friends have expressed to me that it is better for their country. The fact that you can't be like, yeah, Hitler was rad. You know what I mean? Like you can't hire, you can't have Nazi flags. It's all illegal. And they said, like, 
we appreciate that because we're trying to move forward. We're not trying to like live in the past. We have a lot to make up for. We're, we're you know, trying to be a better country. And if those people want to do the Heil Hitlers and be like that, they can just go to the United States and do Ab- it. Absolutely. There's a huge community there that's going to welcome them with open arms, which a lot of Nazis did go to the U.S. and Chile. <laughs> and Chile, yeah. And Argentina. Well, anyway. So, I don't know. It's, it's hard because I'm definitely, obviously, I support freedom of speech, but, you know, I don't know, man. There's so much... That's the thing is in Chile, there's still so much denial and, and like uh, ignorance about what actually happened during the dictatorship that I feel like I, something has to happen to where people need to be more aware of the reality and the horrors of what happened, you know? I don't know if that's the right thing. I do think, though, that governmental entities shouldn't have, you know, support of Pinochet, like the UDI shouldn't have in their founding documents that they support Pinochet, like that shouldn't be a thing that governments are allowed to do. Yeah, I don't know. I think for me personally, when there are members of, you know, for instance, the KKK, society, in my opinion, does a really good job of calling those people out for the most part. They'll like take videos of them acting a fool or they'll write articles and they bring it to light. Um, And... I, I don't know, as much as I want people to feel protected and for countries to be able to move on from things, I do fully support people's decision to be able to to be able to make that decision themselves. Absolutely. And I, and I totally, like I said, I don't know the solution. It's very, like I said, very controversial and very, uh, I don't know. It's like, I don't know what the answer is, but, you know, unlike the U.S. where the majority, the vast majority of people are actively being like, no, the KKK is fucked up. There are people who actively in Chile are like, no, Pinochet was good. And that's, and they're open about it. And, and they're open about people. it. Yeah. And every single person in this country knows a handful of people that say that. And so that's the difference for me is there's, and they're all people in power. So it's just, it's scary. It is you know? scary. I think there needs to be an initiative for more education for yes, sure. Absolutely. Maybe that's the solution. Like educating people in schools about the reality of what happened. Like you can be a piece of shit after the education if you want that's your right but you know having the tools and the knowledge of reality of history i think that maybe is the the, the thing that should happen it starts young like being afforded the opportunity to make that decision yourself instead of just repeating what your parents say right and what their parents said and what your parents friends say because it's a very incestuous community right and there is a lot of ignorance, I would say, in the upper class here in Chile. Just totally. We were talking about this earlier. Just no idea about reality because there's no personal discovery. There's no right. sense of needing to discover truth for yourself because you just believe what your parents tell exactly. you. Exactly. And like, there are people that are like, oh, no, 3,000 people didn't disappear. And it's like, bro, but there like are bodies. I have, <laughs> there are bodies that you can go. Like, I have a friend who works trying to find the disappeared like, and has found graves, you know? So it's it's not. It's it's real. And, and you know, re- reality sucks, but it's, it's real. You got you to gotta face it. And you can't hurt people in the process. Like this... You can't like say like it didn't happen, so therefore it was fine, you know, because that hurts me. I have I have friends who who have family members who disappeared and who had family members who were tortured and had family members who died. It's so raw still. This isn't like World War II where you have, you're a few generations removed. We're not even a generation removed from this yet. There are people walking around the streets that had to live through this hell. There are people walking in the streets who tortured people or also that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's it's there. Something has to be done to. To make the Chilean society a safer place for for people, and I don't know what that solution is. I ain't a genius. You guys listening, right? I can to barely, us. yeah, dude. If you write to us an opinion, if you have opinions, 
I want to know them. Um, I want to hear from you. Chiletodaypodcast at gmail.com or at Podcast on Instagram. Talk to us. Let us know what you're feeling. Are you confused? Do you like what Germany does? Are you German? Like, share your thoughts. I want to know. Like, maybe we'll read it on the, maybe we'll interview you. Drop us a line, bro. Yeah, please do. We love when you write to us. It makes our hearts really full. It does. we see you, and we're really happy. Yeah, also, for those of you who might be first-time listeners, uh, me and Alicia are not political scholars at all. Oh, absolutely not. We are just, we just like each other's faces, and we like Chile, and that's what we're doing. So don't, like, be like, oh, these two political women coming in here telling me how to think. We, We ain't trying to do that. In fact, it's the opposite. Like, we're definitely on a path of discovery and education. Like, we're so hungry for knowledge and truth and opinions and perspectives. So we're simply sharing what we know, the little that we know right now, in hopes that, like, we have the opportunity to learn more about Chile. Like, this is – we're very much learning right along with you. And I would say, like, for gringos, one of the most moving things that I did was I went to the the Museo de la Memoria mm-hmm. because it puts all of the facts out there with all of the documents and all of the proof. And, you know, I like to go back every couple of years as well because, first of all, I learned more Spanish. And so I was able to understand and grasp a little bit more. I knew more Chileans. I knew, you know. So I think if you want to get your own experience and to educate yourself, that might be one of the best places to go, like in your own time, when you're in a a good space to go there. Because first of all, it's a gorgeous museum. And second of all, it's, it's very amazing. It's very detailed. And it has a very, I don't know, palpable, like spirit of Chile. You learn a lot. You see a lot of photos. It becomes real. It's like, oh, I live on that street. And it's in this picture with this guy being like, tortured. Okay, maybe it's dark. But anyway, so, um, on a lighter note, perhaps, uh, so the COVID, the corona, is, uh, we got some new policies, and we can travel around just a bit. So, if you are sick of your apartment or your house... I'm sick of your apartment. I know, yeah, that's kidding. fair. It's I'm very t- small. I'm totally kidding, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> if you are about to yeet your partner off the patio, um, you guys can get out. So you can travel around certain zones, make sure you educate yourself um, on where you want to go before you go. But if you want to get a permit so you can do it the legal way, which I'd recommend, avoid fines and jail and shame. Deportation. If and you're a gringo, don't break the law. You'll be deported for life. You won't be able to come back like me with Uber. Mm-hmm. Um, go to comisavirtual.cl. It's where you go to get your like permits for walking your puppy dog or to go out. Choose- can you spell that? Oh, yep. C-O-M-I-S-A-R-I-A-V-I-R-T-U-A-L dot cl yep there you go choose option 16 there are three (laughs) options you can do the clave unica you number two is for registered users number three is for extranjeros you can use your passaporte uh then you enter in your info click submit and they send it out to your email and you download it make sure you have those documents on you when you go forth right um past santiago and make sure you bring your passport and you should be g to d g Good to go. Good to go. And also be careful because on holiday weekends, like right now is a holiday weekend, sometimes they they roll back restrictions on travel. This weekend they also did that because there's too many people going out of the city. Also realize that if a city you want to go to is in quarantine, there might be different rules. So just pay attention if you want more news about that. Live updates, go to uh, chiletoday.cl for that. We also, on our um, 
Chile at Chile Today podcast on our Instagram. We post a lot of updates as well. So if you want to follow us, Pinguino posts a lot of cute stuff and also um, live updates and news. Yeah, great for news. Also great if you are a penguin aficionado. If you like penguins, if you like pictures of Santiago, if you like news, um, it's all there. It's all there. It's all there. Um, cool. So I have some other man. We're we're getting into the the. The, the stuff today. So, the nitty gritty. The nitty gritty. The gritty. The, okay. So declassified files have been revealed that the British interfered with Salvador Allende's election. So that's heavy. So newly declassified files revealed um, the, UK, the UK's role in destabilizing Chile in the 70s. The documents go into detail about Specifically, the role in the 64 and 70 presidential elections, both times the UK's singular goal was preventing Allende from gaining power. So once uh, Allende won the 70s elections, British, the British also assisted the United States in destabilizing the country with the goal of installing a military dictatorship, which part of me is like a little bit satisfied with this news. Not that it's good, but because everybody's always like, fuck the U.S. And I'm like, look, the British, the British did it too. Fuck uh, them both, I guess. Yes, guys, we're evil, but them too. Like, they're our big brothers. They made us do it. They suck too. They suck too. It's not fair. He did it too. Okay. I.E. Iran. <laughs> yeah, hey, that was the first destabilized country. Yes. Uh, Check us out okay. at irontoday.com. <laughs> I have so many, my, my master's thesis is about Iran. I have all these. Okay, so their relationship with the dictatorship would vary depending on the party in charge of the UK. Um, so, because the parties went in and out. Kalo is trying to get in my lap in the middle of the story. So, in the 64 presidential election, the British joined their Cold War allies, the US, in a propaganda campaign against Allende in support of the Christian Democrat candidate, which was Eduardo Frey, Montalva, Montalva, yep. Thus, the Information Research Department, IRD, worked alongside the CIA in this campaign. They did this by contacting various journalists who are willing to share their news stories in the newspaper and on the radio. In the end, this campaign proved successful as of the U.S. decision to give financial support to the Frey campaign. Uh, the U.S. and the U.K. considered Frey's election a mon monumental victory, and they enjoyed that for nearly six years. But Frey's failure to appease both sides of the aisles in an ongoing recession, um, it took away his political appeal from the center, which gave Allende a better shot of winning the next presidential election, which he did. Um, and even, even Despite the fact that the U.S. and the U.K. doubled their efforts. Um, so, after he was elected, Allende's, uh, sorry, the IRD continued working on the anti-Allende propaganda and attempted to politically kill him by funding millions of dollars to strengthen opposition. They also continued working with the CIA, aiding them in preparation for September 11th, 73, which was the military coup. Damn. Damn. The British, you got cute accents, but you evil. Okay, UK. Oh, nice. Thanks. Yeah. No, it's it's so funny because they do they do that stuff all the time. It's like fuck the CIA, which I'll, yeah, fuck the CIA. But also the UK, I like the UK's like very Slytherin to the US's Gryffindor. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like the the US is gonna go in there with their guns that say "Made in the USA," right? And, and destabilize a country and accidentally leave them in the street, and everybody's like, "Hey, don't do that." And the 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 UK is just gonna be like, okay. 
Why don't you just do this? The UK is like, can you believe what the U.S. Oh, did, girl? Did you Why see did you what only that? the U.S. did? <laughs> that They should not do that. That's so bad. Oh, I can't them. believe them. And they're like... Yeah, it's so the funny. puppet masters. Yeah, the, the, totally the Slytherin to the Gryffindor. I mean... I see you with your crumpets. You can't hide anymore. <laughs> you with your scones. Right? Scones? They pronounce scones like scones. Oh, see, they're the worst. It's the worst. Sorry for UK listeners. Cookies. And yeah, we really love we you. We love you. Um, make us some biscuits. Fish and chips are the best. They really are. Which, the best fish and chips, I swear to God... Pro tip is at the Black Rock, which is finally stupid good, yeah, open again. So the Black Rock Pub has a terrace and everything. It's open again. You guys go out to it. Support Shane, who owns the Black Rock. He's Australian, um, not from the UK. Well, still under the dominion of the Queen. Oh, true. Yeah. So anyway, history. Uh, moving on. So anyway, you have uh, more stuff. I try to do a segue from the fish and chips, but do you like animals? <laughs> do you like animals? Do you like animals? Um, so we're getting that new, maybe maybe we're getting a new constitution. Today's all about the constitution. Yeah. But um, there are many campaigns that have been launched to put different topics into the public sphere. And spear? Spear. Spear. Damn it. That P gets public, me every time. The public sphere. The public sphere. Everyone gets to share the one spear. Spears. The spears. <laughs> uh, pretty spears. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so there is a new initiative that was launched on September 29th, and that seeks the recognition of animals. The Animal Law and Defense Foundation, created by lawyers, launched a new campaign, Animals in the Constitution. And this seeks to secure the protection of animals. Which is no great. way. Unless you're eating them, I guess. The initiative already has the support of over 50 animal rights groups, 26 academics from different universities, and over 8,000 humans, people. The, the, the rest animal- of the animal rights groups were <laughs> founded by animals. Right, exactly. The Animals in the Constitution proposal has three major points. One, individuality. The animals are recognized as individuals and not only as part of the environment or as an end to satisfy a human need. Number two, state's duty. That the state has written obligate has a written obligation to protect all non-human animals. The campaign asks that the state's duty is specifically manifested in the obligation that the public bodies adopt measures to implement this protection principle. Number three, sensibility. That constitutional protection be given to all non-human animals who consents. The signatory organizations thinks that animals are living beings endowed with sensitivity and therefore possess uh, their possessors of dignity. Animals are not mentioned in the current constitution. For years now, animal organizations have been trying to raise awareness of this issue, as many argue that animals are not legally protected. However, non-human animals are referred to in other regulations. The civil code mentions animals, but only recognizes them as movables um, or personal property. Apart from that law, law 20.380 on animal protection recognizes animals as living beings and as part of the environment. A third law that refers to animals is 21.020 on responsible ownership of pets and company animals. However, the focus is not on the animals, more on the people. This regulation determines the obligations and rights of the owners to protect animal health and welfare through responsible ownership, like keeping your freaking dog on a leash. Keep your dog on a leash. That was in there. Uh, The organizations promoting the campaign to include animals in the Constitution aim for a state to recognize animals as subjects of of the law. Um, so, 
It's a lot of conversations to recognize animals' fundamental rights. And the future constitution could add in a protection mandate. And that basically would transfer all non-human animals to a different kind of level where they're respected as individuals and not just property. Okay. I don't know what that means legally. I'm not really sure either, and I think that's what they're working on. Do you understand this? Email us. Email us. What exactly does this mean? Because I think it's one thing, and it's really trying to make sure that the animals aren't exploited. So does that mean that animals, like, they're going to end factory farming in Chile, or does that mean that we can't, like, abuse animals legally? So does anybody know the parameters on this? Right, and then what context, context, whoop. Okay, so what would they, like, what constitutes, that's the word, abuse, like, does that mean rodeos, rodeos here are going to be banned? Because there's, they're very controversial um, here. What does that mean? Greyhound racing? What's going on? Yeah, I think either way, it's a great start. Sure. It's a great conversation starter for all of these different areas. Um, But, yeah. Cool. Constitution. You know what? We're going to talk a lot about the Constitution today after Pinguino tells me something. What are we talking about today? Um, we're going to discuss the Constitution today because it's, you know, we're coming up on a really important vote mm-hmm. on October 25th, and I know you're going to tell us a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I thought I'd give you a history, a brief history of the Constitution in Chile. Oh, great. I'm super excited. Um, so Chile's market-oriented economy is relatively well-diversified and well-regulated, is a pretty well-regulated financial system. And it's generally regarded as the model for other Latin American countries. According to the World Bank, Chile's economy has been the fastest growing in Latin America during the past um, like 15, 20 years. The 1990s, however, was a difficult period as Chile experienced a backdrop of global financial crisis and negative investor sentiment about emerging markets. And just a shout out to constitutionnet.org. I got a lot of my information from them. So thank you very much. Um, in 1999, severe drought and Chile's over-dependence on commodity exports such as copper, among other factors, pushed the country into a recession. Chile has since recovered with a real, with a real GDP growth, averaging 5% between the years 2003 and 2007, and its GDP per capita in 2007 was uh, US $14,300. So we're going to go all the way back, um, now that you kind of have a brief overview of what we're working with today to the Portales Constitution. Deep dooped up. Chile's independence from Spain on April 5th, 1818, marked by the Spanish defeat at the Battle of Maipu, was followed by a period of near anarchy. In mm. 1829, yeah, gasp, anarchy, gasp. Um, Small little communities growing their own vegetables, what? In 1829, conservative forces, led by Diego Portales, succeeded in asserting control over the country. Portales, who became the de facto ruler of Chile, also wrote Chile's first long-lasting constitution. The Portales Constitution established a strong central government dominated by the chief executive. For most of the practices and expansion of suffrage, for most of the 19th century, the... Oh, I saw hand motions. I got nervous. No, I was just going to say, for more info on Diego Portales, we have an episode about him. Oh, we do, we do. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to say that. Oh, that's totally fine. Um, I just didn't do, I just interrupted you mid-sentence instead of like at the end of the sentence like a professional. Well, usually there's, when I see hand motions, it's Pinguino and he's like, you're messing something up. Flipper motions. Flipper motions. Extreme flipper motions. 
So for most of the 19th century, the president presided over a gradual institutionalization of representative practices and the expansion of suffrage. These developments were accompanied by growing challenges to executive authority by the political parties sitting on the National Congress. Hmm. The struggle for power between different governing branches escalated into a brief civil war in 1891 that was won by congressional forces and paved the way for a parliamentary, parliamentary republic. So then we have the 1925 Constitution, and that was adopted in 1925 in the midst of instability and discontent generated by the First World War and related events such as the collapse of the nitrate export mm. trade, the articulation of new political ideologies, and the rise of the labor movement. This new constitution largely followed the classical liberal and democratic lines of its predecessor, thus allowing for institutional continuity. At the same time, it codified a number of significant changes. The separation of church and state, recognition of workers' right to organize, a promise to care for social welfare of all citizens, an assertion of the state's right to infringe on private property for public good, and an increase in the powers of the now directly elected president, um, which is the Bicarmel Congress. Sorry. The government was divided into four branches, the executive, the legislative, judiciary, and the... Comptroller General. Then we have military rule and in the 1980s. Uh, in the wake of the Cuban Revolution of 1959, politics in Chile became increasingly polarized between left-wing and right-wing factions. Centrist parties were no longer able to mediate the agreements and compromises that had previously enabled the smooth functioning of Chilean politics. Matters came to a head during Salvador Allende's presidency, which pitted Allende's coalition of leftist parties against the center-right opposition. The March 1973 congressional elections, which each, each side had hoped would give it a clear governing mandate, provided the catalyst. Inconclusive results led to an escalation of the confrontation with violent street demonstrations and threats of insurgency. On September 11, 1973, a military junta composed of the heads of the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force, and the National Police led a coup to overthrow the Allende government, alleging constitutional violations and to impose military rule. Days after the coup, the junta appointed a commission to begin crafting a new constitutional order that could legitimatize the military. The 1980 Constitution has been described as a dual constitution that constrained transitional as well as permanent articles. The transitional articles would apply during the transitional period of military rule, with Pinochet as president and the junta holding constitute and legislative power. In 1988, the junta was to appoint a presidential candidate to be approved by the plebiscite to lead Chile over the next eight years. The permanent articles were intended to create a protected democracy through First, the establishment of a permanent tutelary rule for the military, and second, a prohibition upon persons, parties, and movements whose views and objectives were judged by constitutional tribunal to be hostile to democracy, and a third, a series of checks on representative governmental institutions. Fun fact, uh, President Piñera's brother, José Piñera, helped write the Constitution, mm. and he was also the mastermind behind AFP. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that. So Pineda has like very much reasons to continue to support the Constitution. I mean, it's I mean his bro family. wrote it. His bro wrote it. Not the cool bro. Not the one that like has the weird goatee. He, he has a no. It's the other bro, the less cool one. He has a brother. It's really weird. 
all I want to do is see this goatee now. Sorry. It's it's like, I saw him. It's, what is his? They call him, I don't know his real name, but they call him Negro Pineda because <laughs> he has black hair. Yeah, he's he's pretty funny. I'm pretty sure he's on coke all the time. I mean, if I was a billionaire, I'd probably be on coke all the time. What else would you do with your I don't know. Like, what else do you do? What do you what do you buy? Penguin is going to show you a picture. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Oh, he's wonder. Look at that. Hat. He has a beret. He always wears a beret. Always. My man. Yeah, I saw him one time. Pretty sure he was picking up a pro- like a sex worker. So like. In the middle of my neighborhood, and I was like, "That's Negro Vignetta." In the middle of the day, and no, it was like two in the morning. To be fair, oh yeah, yeah, but I definitely think he's picking up a sex worker, or like selling coke <laughs> Some or something. I don't FD know. FD applications. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, he, okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, he was at like he was like walking. Okay, I'm not telling you story. Why did you Snapchat it? Because I was just like, ew, Pinera, and then. I saw him again at the same place, um, like, a few weeks later, and all my friends were taking pictures with him, and so, I don't know. He's, like, a sort of a celebrity. I feel like a rite of passage in Chile is seeing him somewhere. I want to see him now. I think I'd recognize him. It'd be like, beret? Yeah, like, if you didn't know what he looked like, then you would be like, uh, then you'd be like, that's a weird dude in a beret. And then now that you know what he looks like, you're going to see him everywhere. I feel like there's eight of him. He's got clones. It's like a Spider-Man. They cloned the wrong piñata. They meant to clone Sebastián, but they accidentally cloned (laughs) Negro Piñata. So he's everywhere in the city. What are we doing now? What are we doing during quarantine? We'll post a picture of him. Okay. Yeah. Yes, we will. So keep going. Sorry. Okay. Um, (laughs) Beginning in 1987, the Chilean political opposition accepted that that the Pinochet regime could not be overthrown by popular revolt or guerrilla warfare, but it had to be challenged from within the constitutional system that the military government itself created. A group of opposition parties formed the Concertación por el Coalition uh, to campaign for a no vote in the upcoming upcoming, uh, Mm -hmm. 1988 plebiscite. The um, party's efforts at voter registration, publicizing his cause, and voting oversight resulted in Pinochet's defeat on October 5th by a 55% vote. Jesus, that is close. Holy closeness, Batman. Under the Constitution, this meant the president and parliamentary elections would be held in December 1989. That was just like... That was a couple days ago. There there was almost half of the population that wanted to keep a military dictatorship. What kind of... I don't under... What is... What? I don't think that it's any... I don't... I think that these people all have their own... Agenda? Perspectives, agenda, truth, you know? And perhaps there was a lot of misinformation around that time. Because it wasn't oh, like... Oh, there how, absolutely was a lot of misinformation. They didn't have Facebook where people would just be public about their opinions. They, there wasn't Facebook in the 80s? What? I don't think so. Oh my goodness. You know, they were just relying on their groups and, and the people that they're always around, you know? Yeah, and their bubbles. In the period between the plebiscite and the, president, and the presidential elections, three-way negotiations over constitutional menage twelve negotiations mm. over constitutional reform were held between the military government, moderate right-wing parties that support to the government, and the center-left opposition. There was no public discussion or participation. They agreed upon reforms, which were approved on July thirtieth, nineteen eighty-nine, and it reflected compromises made by the opposition rather than any far-reaching constitutional change. Article 80 was eliminated. The number of elected senators increased, and the constitutional amendment mechanism was modified. The president's ability to dissolve the lower house of Congress was removed, and their power to declare a state of exception was reduced. 
a new civilian member was added to the National Security Council as well. So then we have constitutional developments, which happened between 1989 and 2014. Mm -hmm. Governments since the 1989 reforms have been engaged in reforming Chile's constitution. Important changes have included allowing for the direct election of municipal councillors, Supreme Court and criminal justice reform, and the enshrining of gender equality. The 2005 amendments are considered to be the greatest steps forward in democracy in Chile, reducing the presidential term from six to four years, reducing military influence in politics by transforming the National Security Council into an advisory body to the president, and eliminated appointed senatorial seats and giving the president the power to dismiss the commander-in-chief of the armed forces and the national police, and also removing the current electoral system for the constitution in order to open the process of future reform. In 2013, Michelle Bachelet of the Socialist Party was elected to a second presidential term, the first being from 2006 to 2010, as the Constitution prohibits consecutive terms. Her campaign promised to replace the Constitution created during Pinochet's dictatorship, arguing that Chile needs a Constitution born in democracy, and she thought that the current one was illegitimate. Mm -hmm. Her major focuses were on education, tax reform, and addressing the country's inequality. Opposition politicians raised concerns that changing the constitution would create uncertainty, which could have had a negative impact on foreign investment and the economy as a whole. It keeps coming back to this. Also because the large Catholic population of the country, which is 66%, Bachelet was expected to face resistance on reproductive rights reforms because we, yeah, I don't, I I won't give my opinion there, but. I mean, you can guess what our opinion, we're women, we have uteruses. We have we want control over. We just want to save our body. I just want body. to have somebody not tell me what to do with my uterides. Wait, uterus, Uteruses. because I have one of them. Our uteri. Less than a fortnight after Bachelet took office, over 100,000 Chileans from more than 40 civil organizations protested in the protests of all protests, calling for the constitutional changes that had been promised during the campaign. Protesters claimed that the march was not in opposition to the president, but rather to inform the politicians that the people have demands. Those demands include self-determination for the indigenous people, um, egalitarian marriage with child adoption, and issues with healthcare. Nice. So that's a very broad overview right. of where Chile's been with constitutions. I love the history of of everything. So thank you for teaching me. For sure. Okay. So I'm gonna go a little bit into. The controversies of the the Constitution. So now you know what the current Constitution is like, Maomeno, but let's talk about uh, the controversies. Now, there are pages and pages and blogs and, like, legitimate, like, amazing things on every single website ever talking forever about the problems and can give you a lot of great examples. Uh, I'm just going to do a brief overview because I know um, that's what you guys want and also what I can grasp at my academic constitutional level. So, um, let's get into it, shall we? Um, So, there are are obviously many different reasons why Chileans want to change their constitution. Um, One of the first ones that people discuss is that it was created during the dictatorship, uh, largely by Jaime Guzman and the brother of Piñera. Um, Jaime Guzman was also the creator of the political party UDI, uh, which was the um, dictatorship support supporting um, political party that still exists and still has a lot of power in government. Uh, So there's a lot of questions about the legitimacy of the constitution because its initial ratifications um, existed when there was a lot of restrictions on freedom at that time. 
So that's why a lot of people say that it's that it's illegitimate, as you said, as Bachelet said. So next, let's look at some of the controversial articles. So Article 19, which has is very detailed. This article is apparently just a naughty, naughty boy. So Article 19 um, in all basically means that anything in Chile can be privatized. So, and that always is going to take precedent over public uh, organizations. This includes, but is not limited to, natural resources, education, and health. Private property is going to always take priori priority over public spaces. So in, so in so many words, private companies can bid for land before public companies, whether this means mining zones or just public parks. So um, public private companies can come in and be like, we don't like this park, we're going to build a building there. <laughs> um, so going into a little bit more detail about Article 19, a Part 9 I mean, it says that people are, um, instead of giving people and ensuring people health, it only ensures that people have access to health. Um, same thing with education, that you have access to education, not that you can afford health or not that you can afford education because both of those things are highly privatized. So they say, there's a school there. Oh, but we can't pay for it. Well, that's not our problem kind of situation. Um, and also the definition of access, right? So what does it mean by access? Does it mean that there is a school that's free in your community, but it's also 20 miles away? You know, that's very controversial. What do you mean by access? It's very open to interpretation. So, um, so right now, um, everyone in Chile has the ability to choose which school and which health plan that you're on, but this causes a lot of problems in schools. For example, in part 10, 11, 10 and 11 of part 19, parents can choose their schools for their children. The problem is since everything can be privatized, there are a lot of private schools, meaning they are owned by whomever has enough money to open them. So if you have a lot of money, Alicia, you can go and open a school and you can charge like a million dollars a year and you can pay your teachers a crap ton of money and then you can limit the type of students that you allow in. So this creates a really destructive cycle of the rich kids getting the best education and the best scores and then et cetera, et cetera. And while poor people can't afford to go to these privatized schools um, and they can only go to the public schools, which often are, um, Teachers are not paid well. Obviously, the quality of education is not good, and it creates like a cyclical kinds of situation. So, um, do, 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 and most public schools also have costs. So that's the thing: is people. It's very rare to have like a public school with no cost, and even mm. if you do, it's very, very poor. So, very like poor education, poor quality. So, um, and Chile's constitution does not guarantee quality education. So, as long as there's an educational institution. That's all that they require. They don't necessarily have any oversight on quality of books or materials or anything. Just so stick a sign that says school right. and you're done. Right. Um, so, for example, students in 2011 had big marches for free education. There is what's called the third chamber, which is also very controversial because the third chamber in Congress, they decide if things are constitutional or not. Um, and they said that free education is unconstitutional because according to the Constitution, everything can be privatized. So if you tell a school that you they can no longer charge money, then that's saying that they can no longer gain money from, um, that they don't have the right to privatize the institution. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And the constitution says that they have that right. So free education is, according to the constitution, unconstitutional. Um, I hope I explained that well. I'm not a constitutionalist. Okay, so part 16, same thing. 
um, the Constitution prohibits the any state institution from going on strike or demonstrating. So any, if you work for a state institution and you feel like you're being abused by your employer, you don't have the constitutional right to, to demonstrate or to go on strike. Part 18 forces all citizens and immigrants to join an IFP, which was also, um, you talked about earlier, these are the retirement plans. They're all privatized. There is no public retirement plan in the country and every single citizen must contribute. So um, citizens do have choices between the private plans um, the majority of them, fun fact, are owned by the U.S. Um, so that's an interesting factoid. Uh, you also don't have the the choice to remove money when you need money, um, which was the big controversy with the 10%, right? right? So a lot of people were, you know, they couldn't feed themselves, they couldn't provide for their family. And so it was this big to-do about people being allowed to take up to 10% of the what was in their IFAPs out to provide for their family. And of course the right didn't like that because they thought it would be um, a huge hit to the economy. Fun fact, when people have money, they spend money. And so it actually was a huge boost to the economy. Um, so going to parts 32, 65, and 74, this gives to the president what they call hyper-presidentialism. Um, which means that the president has much more control over the country than Congress actually has. So this is over specifically bills, administration, and finance. So the president gets to decide the urgency of bills and the order in which they're presented to Congress. So if there's a bill on like the president's table that he doesn't like or she doesn't like, they can they can potentially stall it, stall it for an indefinite amount of time. So if there's a bill about, I don't know, abortion, and they don't want to present that, because they think it'll get approved and they don't like it. They can literally just put every single other bill before it. So um, they also get to make um, decisions about how much money is, to, is put into how many different um, institutions. That's their decisions. Um, Article 101 is extremely timely. It's This is um, that the armed forces, the military, and the carabineros, because they're all part of the military, exist for not only the defense of the homelands, but are essential for national security. So, um, and that the president can summon the National Security Council, which is the president, the chamber of deputies, and the head of armed forces, among others, to advise him. Basically, this is what Pineda did at the beginning of the crisis, which generated a lot of strong criticism due to military interference in government affairs. People don't like it because the military gets to give their opinion on a lot of things happening in government, which they, a lot of people think is incorrect. Um, and it's interesting because it gives the Carabineros the responsibility to, quote, keep the peace. So rather than saying, like, we're here to protect our citizens, their, uh, their biggest um, responsibility is to keep peace. So when you see things like violence happening in the center, as long as you can justify it as them keeping the peace, it's not unconstitutional. You can just push off a bridge. Right. As long as he was keeping the peace. If right. he, if he make, can make an argument that he was being, this guy was preventing their from peace you can do whatever, which is, you know, a lot of people want to change that and to be, um, as you were saying, like, uh, um, make the constitution more specific. Um, so these are a lot of the articles that are very controversial. There's so many more, but these are some of the essential ones. And there's also a lot of things missing from the constitution, such as specific rights for indigenous people, mm -hmm. as well as um, rights steaming men and women as equals for things such as equal pay. Um, the 
so let's say that the new constitution gets approved. So you have, there's two votes. There's, there's um, approval, approve, and rechazo, reject. So, and then there's also whether you want to do a constitutional convention or what they call like a convention mixta. So a constitutional convention is where the citizens of the country get to vote on who they want to participate in writing the constitution. So that could mean um, if you're a lawyer, you can run, if you're a teacher, you can run, if you're an indigenous person, like a, a shaman or whatever, and you're, you can run to be in the constitution, constitutional convention, economists, all these people who are not politicians could potentially be on this board, as well as it's saying it, it's gonna guarantee this, uh, the same amount of men and women. That's the constitutional convention. Then the mixed up would basically be the people who are already in Congress or already in power would make the decisions on what's in the constitution. So that's what we're looking at coming up on the 25th. Like I said, I, I gave the briefest of summaries. There's so much more and I, I, I hope I did an okay job of explaining it, but chiletoday.cl is going to release a lot of really, really good material in the coming days for um, explaining in a lot greater detail these things. And I think it's important to point out that um, when people want a new constitution, you know, it doesn't mean that every single thing in the previous constitution is not going to be there. It just means like, look, we can improve on what, what is happening right now in the country. And I think the constitution, in my opinion, is extremely symbolic for a lot of people because it was written during the dictatorship um, with very much the dictatorship in mind. And I think that it, I think that I understand why people want to change it. Right. Yeah. You brought up a lot of great points. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. What's your opinion? Do you, do you, can you better explain this to us? We would love to hear what you have to say. What do you think's missing? What, yeah. Do you think there's some, something missing? Do you think it's great? Or, do, you know, tell us what you think. Chile Today Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Chile Today Podcast. Like I said, Pinguino's on there putting little putting little pinguino memes and, and keeping you updated on the news, what quarantine and all that jazz. If you want to support us for extra um, content, if you want to just send us a little five Luca bill so we can buy coffee and keep everybody energized. Penguin to feed. We're going to use it just for penguin feed. So much feed. penguin feed. Oh my goodness. We were giving him fish, but it makes his poop stink. So we got to really, really go into the <laughs> penguin feed. Vegetarian only. He is a vegetarian penguin. Okay, so um, so go to buymeacoffee.com slash chiletodaypod, P-O-D, and check out that. There's uh, You can donate or you can check out our extra content, which is bloopers, Q&As, all sorts of fun stuff. Sometimes we say silly, stupid things. Sometimes. We record that. We record everything. You yeah. can access that if you want. Pinguino has a lot of secrets that he keeps. He keeps little things to make fun of us. He's got a lot of blackmail. Lots of blackmail. Oh my goodness. We don't give him that penguin feed. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful next couple of weeks. Have a beautiful. Uh, stay safe and please don't forget to vote. Vote, vote, vote. Bye. Bye-bye.